0: Hello and welcome to the in focus series of podcasts brought to you each week by Retina International. Thanks to you, our members, for sending in various topics that you would like to see featured in this series. We hope to get to those as soon as possible. One of the areas that you have been particularly interested in learning more about is the area of optogenetics, which is proving to be very interesting in the potential treatment of retinal disease. We are joined today by Professor John Flannery, who is Professor of Vision Science and Neuroscience in the Department of Molecular Biology in the University of California, Berkeley. Thank you very much, John, for joining us today. Hi, Avril. Okay, well, firstly, we're obviously in a very unprecedented times. Um, how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected how you work?
1: Um, well, we've been home for a couple months. Uh, the university has been closed. This week we're starting to make plans for gradually going back. Um, imagine one of the main things you're interested in is in productivity and progress towards treatments and- uh, Yes, therapy. I mean,
0: how, how has that, the fact that your your labs have been shut down for so long, you know, are you concerned about how that will impact on the output of your research as, as you move forward?
1: Well, one thing over the last couple of months, uh, It's always a struggle with graduate students and post PhD fellows to get them to write. And uh, they've actually done a good job of like transitioning to writing up things that uh, we wanted to publish. So our productivity as far as publishing things has actually gone up a bit since uh, we're now in more of the, we've been more in the Eugene O'Neill mode than a pipette at the bench. But um, you know, those were experiments that were done a year ago or Or six months ago, or two years ago, that we're sending in to share with the community. So that's good. But you know, our productivity of developing new stuff went down a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. For two months, no one was in the lab. Mm -hmm. Uh, We could only go in to like maintain animal models of RP and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Starting this week, we'll go back at about 20% capacity, as far as how many people per room. Of a yes,
0: yes, I think for most of us, you know, everybody getting back to work, it's, it is going to be a new normal, but the fact that things are able to start again is, is positive, certainly for the community, because of course our members are very concerned about the impact that this whole situation will have on outputs and moving forward. You know, we're also using this opportunity of us being at home. Many of us now um, have been at home for quite some time. And as you can imagine, people who are affected by vision impairment maybe have been uh, isolating at home for a much longer period Um, and have been doing a lot of reading um, on the various different types of research that has been happening in our community. And one of the areas that people seem to be very interested in and have read some some interesting articles about, but we'd really like to know more about is optogenetics. It seems like a very exciting area of research and but can be very technical and, and, and sound quite technical to the lay person. Can you explain what is meant by optogenetics and why it has such relevance to the retina?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, optogenetics is sort of a uh, branch, if you will, of gene therapy. and. Uh, Many of your constituents and patients have heard about gene therapy, which has now moved to the uh, commercialization stage where people can get it from an ophthalmologist in certain countries with uh, LCA2 for rp 65 mutations. Gene therapy now refers to what I would think of as four main categories. They all involve uh, using a piece of DNA or a gene to try to repair the retina or to uh, slow the degeneration. Gene therapy is injected in the patient's eye and it secretes a drug for many years that keeps the cone photoreceptors alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, another therapy is for neovascular or wet AMD. It's a um, protein that's injected in the patient's eye every four to six weeks. And mm-hmm. In this case, what would happen is you would inject the gene um, in the patient's eye. So those are examples, two examples of molecules that are like drugs Gene therapy secretes the drug for much longer than the drug would last if you injected it. Uh, the second one is diseases, what are called recessives, where uh, you get two copies of the defective gene, and as a result, there's one important protein or product or enzyme in your eye that isn't made at all. And so the therapy is to uh, inject a normal copy of the gene to replace that missing gene product. and uh, An example for LCA2 is that patients are missing an enzyme, and the gene for the enzyme is put into the patient with a virus, and those LCA2 patients then begin making this necessary enzyme. Uh, The third one is relatively new. Um, It's using CRISPR, which is a gene editing tool, and that's primarily for patients with dominant mutations, and when they have a dominant mutation, it's different than the recessive patients where they're just not able to make a necessary protein. Uh, Patients with these dominant inherited diseases make a protein that's toxic. It's um, not the whole length of the protein, or it's folded up in the wrong way, or it has some mistake in it. So the fourth one is optogenetics, and uh, optogenetics is using gene therapy tools similar as the previous three. It uses a virus but instead of trying to replace a missing gene or to edit a defective gene or to secrete a drug, the optogenetic gene therapy is designed to add a new protein that the patient's never had before. Mm -hmm. Um, This protein is a light-sensitive protein. Uh, Several different groups are using several different ones, but the general idea is that you put in a new protein and you make some cells in the retina that normally were not light-sensitive when the patients had photoreceptors, you impart a new property to make them respond to light. And in that way, replace the photoreceptor's um, light ability by making the second or third cell in the chain that goes from your retina to your brain, now a photoreceptor-like cell.
0: Right. Would the delivery mechanism for this particular or optogenetics be similar to what we are familiar with with gene therapy?
1: Uh, Yes, I mean all of the gene therapies use uh, repurposed virus. These are naturally occurring viruses that don't cause disease. And we're actually only using the outside shell of the virus because viruses are really good at delivering genes and you don't want to have the virus deliver the virus gene you put the therapeutic gene, one of the four categories I talked about in the virus. So the optogenetic therapy uses a virus and it's also injected into the eye. Um, It's a little bit simpler than most of the current clinical trials because in those trials, the idea is to treat photoreceptor cells, which are sort of in the back of the retina. So the surgery is a little complicated because the surgeon has to put the needle with the virus into the back of the retina. But in Mm -hmm. optogenetics, the idea is to transfect cells that are further down the chain on the way from the photoreceptors to your brain. So the surgery is a lot less complicated. It's in the jelly-like vitreous part of the eye, Mm -hmm. which is the same part um, of the eye where patients that get injections for wet AMD get. So that's Mm -hmm. a much simpler procedure, and uh, most ophthalmologists can do it.
0: You mentioned um, just when you were describing there, John, that, you know, there are a number of different uh, studies ongoing, you know, how many are there in this area? There, there seems to be a lot. I mean, when you read about it as, as, a, as a, a patient organization, as a layperson, there seems to be a lot happening. Um, how, how progressed uh, is it really? You know, I mean, is, is this something that we will be seeing going into clinical trials soon? Or, you know, is it already in clinical trial? And from that perspective, then, you know, how far are we looking into the future from a therapeutic perspective? Or is that, that's a very big question.
1: Okay, um, I'll try to take it in pieces. I think there's between 10 and 20 clinical trials for inherited eye disease currently ongoing. Um, There's one for AMD, I mentioned, there's ones for Stargardt's, for Usher 1B, um, the one that's already through the clinical trial process is the one for LCA2. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's several more, um, depending on the country and depending on what part of the country you're in. Um, There's already been two clinical trials using viruses for optogenetics. Um, They're in very early stages. And in the early stages, it's a very small number of patients, usually about 10. Mm -hmm. And it's what's called a dose escalation study. And the idea is to figure out The smallest amount of the drug which in this case is the virus that you can administer and still get the therapeutic effect. So you start with what you calculate from animal studies is the smallest amount for it to work and then you test it in some patients to make sure that it's safe and since it's a small number of patients then if it looks like it's safe you progress to a significantly larger number of studies. So the optogenetic studies are in the dose escalation phase, which means they're in about 10 patients for each of the two trials.
0: So then from the perspective, so it's, it's, it is something that's in the initial trial, trial stage. One question that we've been asked with respect to optogenetics is, does it matter what gene you have really? Um, um, is, are, are these very gene-specific and targeted? Um,
1: one of the appeals for um, pursuing this line of investigation is that it doesn't really matter what the uh, type of RP you have. I think there's now 300 different described genetic effects that can uh, cause RP and yes. optogenetics is death of photoreceptors.
0: And would it matter how far along in their their journey, I suppose, as, as a patient with with an IRD Um, would that matter? Or or like everything else, um, is it a case where the earlier the intervention is, the better the outcome for the patient?
1: Uh, The imaging studies of patients are really progressed a lot. So ophthalmologists can get a very clear view of the integrity and the health of the retina in patients. And uh, what appears to happen is patients that lose vision because they lose their photoreceptors, they retain their second and third uh, parts of the chain, the nervous system that connects to the brain Mm -hmm. um, for many decades after they've lost vision. And so Mm -hmm. the expectation is that it shouldn't matter um, at what stage this optogenetic therapy is delivered. It should provide benefit um, for patients regardless of how long they've been uh, visually impaired.
0: Well, thank you very much, John, for providing this information to us. It's very interesting. It's, it's certainly an area that has uh, piqued a lot of interest in our community. Um, and we have certainly read recent papers with huge enthusiasm. It's great to get some background and, and a greater understanding. And I'm sure we will be in touch with you in the future to get some more updates from you as to how this is all progressing and developing. But it is certainly an exciting area. And one, I think, for people who have that concern about gene-specific treatment, it's something that they they are really um, hopeful for into the future. So thank you very much for your time. And um, we hope that you get back into that lab as quickly as possible and that you and your colleagues um, are um, all safe and well and continue to be so. So thank you very much for your time today, John.
1: You're very welcome, Avril.